Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And we're back on the College Football Survivor Show. Doug Maurice, Shahan Jeharaja, and a fun draft we're doing today. This is like a big deal, Shahan, and I feel like this is the kind of thing where we could prep for a month for this. But instead, I think we each prep like 45 minutes, and we'll get the same gist, because we are drafting... Your all-time offense of players who have participated in the college football playoff. So we have nine years of this. So we have 36 teams to choose from. There's some duplicate teams, obviously. You make it a couple years in a row, that kind of thing. We are not basing our draft picks necessarily on playoff performance, but you have to make the playoff to be eligible, and then we're kind of having a pickup game. And what we're doing, we'll do the defense on another pod. This is the offense pod. We're picking 12 guys because we're picking an extra quarterback. Because I didn't just want to pick two quarterbacks from this big group, and I wanted to make it a little more difficult. I think it makes the quarterback picks more valuable when we pick two quarterbacks. Other than that, we'll just pick a running back, a tight end, three receivers, a full offensive line. If you want to go two tight ends instead of three receivers, run 12 personnel, that's fine. Is there anything else we need to explain about this draft, Shahan? I think people kind of get it, right? No, I think so. I mean, I think one of the fun things is going to be uh, drafting linemen, you know, because usually I think that when we have these discussions, we're, we're more kind of looking at the skill position guys, but it's actually kind of fun to go back. And, and obviously, you know, you look at those Alabama teams of the mid 2010s and and, you know, I, I think that there's some really good linemen who participated. I'm actually uh, probably my most interesting position group. And this is a weird thing to say is center. I, I think that there's some really good centers who played in the college football playoff. And so I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I kind of want to maybe mix it up a little bit and try to have a couple guys from kind of weird playoff teams. Like that's in the back of my head a little bit. There's also a pick I want to make to stick it to you. I do have oh. that as a plan. Oh, okay. If I if I can if All I can right. manage to do that. I do I did feel like it really helps to have good tackles to make the college football playoff there there is like not a shortage of high level offensive tackles in this draft so you have the first pick because we went with uh, beauty before uh, beauty before i don't whatever old person people have whatever i have which is nothing so you have the first pick i'll be curious where you go and if people want to go back if you're maybe new to the college football survivor show if you've just found our feed last off season we did a whole thing of sort of the mount rushmore of different position groups in the playoff the four quarterbacks you'd put on what they did in the playoff the receivers the running backs the the rush ends the linebackers the the dbs the coaches we did an all all-time mount rushmore what four people that would maybe inform this discussion a little bit. That was more based on really hard on how you played in the playoff. This is a little less so, but this, I feel like it's a companion piece to that, Shahan. So why don't you go ahead and make the first pick? I can't wait to see what you do. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So first of all, going into this, uh, I think from a strategy perspective, obviously, you know, we can, this is about, you know, this is like a fantasy draft. This is about picking value. It's about picking scarcity. It's not necessarily, you know, the number one pick is going to be the best player. I think that you're looking at it from the perspective of, uh, of which position groups do you want to fill out first? And I think that there is one player in the college football playoff at his position group who is just on a completely different planet than everybody else. Uh, at his position group. I'm going to go with Brock Bowers, number one. 
Wow. So the other thing we're trying to do is get people to vote for us because we'll put this out, I think, <laughs> on our uh, on our Twitter account at, at CFB Survivor Show and have people vote. There, I thought there were two tight ends that stood out. And so I don't disagree with anything you just said. I do also have a particular strategy related to another position. Okay. This this is not necessarily where I thought you would go, but I think with what you're talking about, you feel like Brock Bowers is far and away of the 36 teams that have participated in the college football playoff. He is the most dangerous, productive, primary tight end that we have seen. And I'll tell you as a shorthand, I kind of just went through and looked at all American players who then made the playoff. I think there might be four tight ends, but I think Bowers is clearly number one on that list. Yeah, there is one other tight end who I consider to be in this category generally, but I think that Bowers is on another level. I think that he is he is that guy, right? He, he is the the guy who they built the entire offense around. Uh I, I think that there is not another team that really played in the playoff that you can say that about. You know, for, for example, if we had been in a situation where let's say 2021 Utah, for example, makes it, I mean, you can point to that two tight end group Mm. and say, this group is the engine of this team. I don't think you can say that about any team that's actually been in the playoff, that their tight end is the most dangerous weapon, is probably the best overall player on their team. And so for me, when I look at the rest of the group, I think there are tons of good quarterbacks. I think there are tons of good wide receivers. Uh, I I think that there's quite a few good offensive linemen. I think that tight end, not because there's a dearth of talent, there's a lot of very talented guys, but when you talk about impact, when you talk about players who could change games, I mean, again, he didn't get to this point, but we were having a discussion uh, about Brock Bowers at one point as a Heisman contender. And I think, I still kind of think that uh, that Stetson Bennett getting there is a testament to Brock Bowers. So uh, to me, he's number one. I think that there's the biggest gap between him and the rest of his position group. It would be interesting in a year after the next college football playoff, which will be the 10th season, the final year of the 14 playoff. That will be a line in the sand for a lot of people to do a lot of things. We're a playoff show, so we do it maybe earlier than some other people do. If Georgia makes it again and Brock Bowers is three for three in the playoffs as a primary go-to guy in that offense – I think you would be talking about potentially Brock Bowers of when you say, hey, let's put four people all time. Let's do the overall Mount Rushmore. You are starting, you know, I think when we did it, it was like, you know, Nick Saban and Deshaun Watson and some of the people like that. I think you're creeping potentially because the best should be yet to come. Now, it depends what Georgia does on offense. Todd Monken has left. We talked about that last week. If he does leave, that's a big deal. Mike Bobo promoted within it Georgia we'll see what that offense looks like with a new play caller and a new quarterback I don't know maybe maybe it's not quite the best of Brock Bowers but there also Shahan is great potential there that we have not yet seen the best of Brock Bowers and we might see it again in a playoff situation all right I'm gonna go with a crowd pleaser here and I have a specific thing that I don't want to talk too much about this until I'm done with it if I can execute it but I'm gonna take Joe Burrow okay and I think he had the best season of any individual player in the playoff era to win the Heisman, 
lead his team to an undefeated season and the national championship, putting up outrageous statistics, and then go on and be the number one pick in the NFL draft. It is a kind of a one-year wonder, but we all saw it. And I do think LSU that year is the best offense of the college football playoff era. We'll do defense later. If we some if we someday did, and we should do this, we're a playoff show. Just did a, a ranking of the 10 best teams of the playoff era. Would LSU win that? They're in the mix. Both sides of the ball, I, I don't know. But the explosiveness of that offense led by this quarterback, who obviously had great weapons that are going to get picked in this draft as well. I feel pretty comfortable with Joe Burrow here. And I think certainly if you're going just kind of dude and a little less position scarcity, he could have been the number one pick too. I would imagine, did you ponder Joe Burrow at all? I did. I did. I think that, uh, you know, I do think he is, to me, QB one. I do think that if you're talking about just the most impressive individual forces at quarterback, I, I think that Joe Burrow has to be on that list. Uh, the only thing that kind of held me back was, again, I think that there is a wealth of talent at that position when you're talking about guys who made the college football playoff. So, it, you know, it, it wasn't high, high, high priority on my list. But I mean, I think that I think that Joe Burrow is that guy. <laughs> I think that Joe Burrow is that good. It does not bother me at all that he was a one year guy because obviously, it, you know, it's not part of the game, but obviously he's sustained it uh since his, his uh, senior season as well. So I, I think it's a good pick. I think that getting your guy is uh, can be really important at quarterback too. So uh, I think it's a good pick. Okay. Third overall pick to you, and I will be very curious to see what you do here. Honestly, I'm very curious to see what I do too. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you, you go with a you go with a tight end with your first pick, right? Uh, l- like you said, I think sometimes you gotta you, you gotta go with the player who's best available to start out, and then sometimes you gotta balance that because this is you know something that will be voted on with a couple of crowd pleasers. So, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm I'm gonna go with Ezekiel Elliott with my running back pick. I now I will say. Right. Obviously, there are other great running backs on this list, and we only have to draft one running back, by the way. And there are guys who played in multiple uh, college football playoffs. There are guys who uh, obviously won Heisman trophies and things like that. But I think that when you look at Ezekiel Elliott, and, and of course, this is as a college football player, the criticism of Ezekiel Elliott was never that he was not good enough, right? In 2015, the criticism was that they didn't give him the dang ball enough. And so I think from a talent perspective, he had as good of a two-year run that we've seen in college football in the last little while. Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, he is one of the players in the college football playoff era. And I do uh, I, I do give him credit, uh, a little bit of extra credit for having a great college football playoff as well. But he is one of the few players in the playoff era to put a team on his back and lead them to a national championship. I don't think you can say that about very many players in the college football playoff era. You could say it, I think, about Joe Burrow. Uh, but again, you know, you're looking at all of the other pieces around. But really, when you look at Ohio State, it was the defense showed up. And then Ezekiel Elliott was like, I am going to, at least for these two games, be the best player in the history of the world, for at least for two games. And they upset Alabama and they won the national championship. So I, I think that as a college football player, the upside that Ezekiel Elliott had was just astonishing. Um, 
you know, certainly I think you have to, you have to weigh it with, you know, game to game performance. You know, I mean, again, he, obviously that second season, they didn't make it back to the college football playoff. That that's relevant. And, uh, you know, one thing that I think with some of these players that we have to separate is remember, we're not talking about their NFL careers too, right? We're, we're only talking about their college football careers. Um, but, uh, but I think that Ezekiel Elliott as an Ohio state running back was an absolute force. So that's where I'm going with number two. I think indisputably he he had the best playoff performance of any running back in the playoff era, over 200 yards in both of them, and then addition to the Big Ten title game. He didn't have he didn't win the Heisman. There's one. There's three running backs I thought about in contention here for a running back pick that I think stand out head and shoulders above the other guys. Ezekiel is is I think number one on that list. I think you could make an argument depending what your criteria are for the other two guys. But this now allows me to execute execute my strategy here. So I'm going to execute my strategy, and I'm going to take Deshaun Watson. And <laughs> oh, this man. is why this was my strategy. Because the, I agree with you that there is a wealth of quarterback talent. No shock. How do you get to the playoff? Having a great quarterback is a way to do it. I think Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson are a cut above everybody else. They're clear one and two, clear one and two. I thought that I was going to get at least one of them. I didn't think that I'd have to take them with my first two picks. Yeah, so this was my plan because I do think there's a line there. And so you are going to have a great list of choices of Heisman winners. Baker Mayfield, Bryce Young, Marcus Mariota. You're going to have Trevor Lawrence in there. You're going to have Mac Jones in there. You're going to have Justin Fields and CJ Stroud and a million different guys. Kyler Murray, another Heisman winner. You're going to have so many guys to choose from, but they aren't Burrow and Watson. And what Joe Burrow did in a single season and what Deshaun Watson did in back-to-back years first losing to Alabama in the national title game and then winning it the next year and talking about carrying teams on his back. I think, again, I think Deshaun Watson is a defining player of the playoff era, of of the modern era of college football. If we were going to do, you know, stack up careers of the last, you know, since they did the BCS, that kind of thing. And if you want to start talking about Tim Tebow and Vince Young and the very, very best players, Deshaun Watson to me is right in the heart of that mix. I still can't believe he didn't win a Heisman. So I want Deshaun Watson on my team. So I am happy that I was able to get both these guys. No, it's, it's a smart move. Again, I think that that's the clear one-two at quarterback. The one thing that I like about this is now I don't have to take any quarterbacks until my last two picks because you can't pick anymore. I, I think that that opens up the board a little bit for me. But no, I, I think you're right. These are clearly the two guys. I, I believe that Watson for sure was on our Mount Rushmore, like our overall Mount Rushmore of our, our top four. I mean, so we're talking about rarefied air here with these two guys. I think that Watson is is the defining quarterback so far of the college football playoff era. I, I think that uh, that Burrow is probably the best individual season of the college football playoff era. So I think, no, I think you're absolutely right. This is one and two. They would have been one and two on my uh, sort of draft board for quarterbacks. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, see, here's where it gets interesting too, because like we're drafting a full offense, right? And so obviously we're, we're thinking like street ball. We're thinking we're going to go out and play a game, but it is also like who, from a voting perspective, I mean, getting Burrow and Watson, that's, 
that's a pretty good start. I mean, I, I think that they're probably going to be guys on my list who I'm like, these are great players, and I think you should pay attention to them. And they're like, why would we care about the guard you picked? <laughs> why would, why is that what we're bothering with? It's going to be hard to win the vote with a guard. <laughs> By the way, I, and I will say, gu- guard is is probably the position that I feel least confident in. Just like I, I feel like I feel like they're awesome centers. I feel like they're awesome tackles. And I'm like, there's some nice guards. I don't know. You know, I'm going to fall back and potentially in some spots on some familiarity, which is, I think, what we all do in life. We're not sure of what we should do. So anyway, uh, I am very curious. There's now a very specific guy that I want with my next pick, and I'm curious if you're going to take him. Go ahead with pick five. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious who, who you're thinking about. So I I think I'm going to stay at skill position. And there is one receiver who has won the Heisman Trophy in the college football playoff era. And that's Devontae Smith. And I'll tell you what, I remember when these four, you know, the four great Alabama receivers were coming through, Judy Ruggs, uh, Smith and Waddle. And my thought was always like, oh, Devontae Smith's clearly the worst one of this group, right? Like, clearly, like, he's a very nice player, but he's he's not like those other guys. And then Jim Waddle gets hurt, and it's, oh, maybe he's actually the best one? <laughs> maybe Maybe he actually does this in a completely different way than anybody else? The way that he gets open and the way that he runs routes, and we got to see this in the Super Bowl a couple of days ago, too, uh, is unbelievable. Like he is just a force of nature when it comes to route running. It's one of the best that I've ever seen. His college season is up there with the greatest seasons by a receiver of all time. He also has multiple years to to stand on. And look, there's a lot of great receivers. And, um, you know, by taking this one, I'm missing out on others. (laughs) But I think that to me, the the best individual season by an individual is, is Devontae Smith. That's who I wanted. That's the guy. As you explained it, he is a he is the ideal combination of unbelievable full season. He won the Heisman. And then he was arguably better after he won the Heisman in those two playoff games than he was winning the Heisman. Yeah. So to set the entire season on fire once Waddle goes down and then to stack that with two fantastic playoff games, I think as much as there is deep receiver talent here, and I have down like the six guys to me that are, that are the six receivers. And man, it is stacked. He still is, I think, a cut above because it's the combination of full season and playoff performance. So I think Devontae Smith was the exact right pick for you there, which is going to lead me to take a receiver as well. And I'm going to take another guy who was great for the whole year and then had an unbelievable national championship game. And I'm going to take Jamar Chase. Nine catches for 221 and two touchdowns in the national title game against Clemson for the year. 84 catches, 1780, 20 touchdowns. I don't think you could make an argument in something like this for Chase over Smith. I just, I know Chase went higher in the NFL draft than Devontae Smith did. They're both excellent NFL players right now. I think just the Heisman and the full, the full body of work, but this is an unbelievable individual talent who put up 200 yards in the national title game. So, it's not like I necessarily wanted to pair Chase and Burrow, but I think when I when I look at the skill guys, I think this is the next guy who's kind of a cut above. So I feel good about getting Jamar Chase here at pick six. 
Yeah, and, and I'll make it easy. Uh, if you're going to take Chase with that pick, I'm going to take the other LSU receiver with my next pick. I'm going to take Justin Jefferson. I, I mean, look, that LSU passing offense in 2019, it like they shouldn't have allowed it. They, they should have shut it down. They should have said, I'm sorry, this is too much. You can't have both Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and also Joe Burrow on the same team. And and, and by the way, you know, we'll get we'll get this uh, a little bit when we uh, when we do the defensive draft a little later. But like I understand sort of the the criticisms of the defense, but the reality is also like they score touchdowns too much, man. Like I don't know what people wanted from a total defense perspective when you got guys who scored touchdowns like this. I mean, those two guys combined had 38 touchdowns. That's unbelievable for two players. That's as many touchdowns as like entire teams had over the course of a season. It's just not normal for for a team to be able to score touchdowns like this. Obviously, Burrow finished with 60 touchdowns, 38 of them to those two players, another 13 to Terrace Marshall as well. Like this, this offense was just not fair, just not fair. And, uh, and by the way, just to go back to yours, I, I will say pairing Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is also a pretty good strategy when it comes to winning anything at any level yeah no i i'm 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 happy to do that uh, and i think jefferson is is the is a next really good pick i think i'm gonna chill out on receivers a little bit because i do think there's there's some good guys left that i have a more difficult time differentiating between but i think the top three have to be smith chase jefferson so i think we got that and i'm not sure a ton of um taught a ton of debate about that all right that's seven picks in when we come back i'll make pick eight we'll do it next on the college football survivor show previously on the college football survivor show starting in 2024 do you believe alabama georgia lsu and oklahoma will all be very very regular playoff participants in a 12-team playoff. Is there enough room? Because I do feel like there's a line after this top four in terms yes. of there's a line after the top two, then there's LSU and Oklahoma in whatever order as the next two, and then there's another line. And if we are drawing that line, even if they're getting four, this all of a sudden would potentially create a very difficult world for the other 12 teams in the SEC because it's like, well, you know, that top four might be there more often than not. No, I think so. I, I think that these four teams are going to get the the majority of the SEC's playoff berths. I think that they're going to be in contention pretty much every year. Catch the latest episode of the College Football Survivor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Doug Maurice is back with Shahan J. Haraja. I am between some people here. I'm a little uncertain about something, so I'm going to go with something that makes me feel good in my heart. little recency bias, perhaps, but I also believe it. I'm going to take Olu Oluwatimi, the center from Michigan. As you said, I think I got to like three or four, maybe three centers, and then there's like another really good center who like didn't play in the playoff right? Because he was hurt, but he was like sort of, so that's a little weird. But I thought there were three like standout centers. And I think this is a good representation of this Michigan era, right? Even though he was just there this year to represent Michigan. I thought about voting for him for the Heisman, not first, 
But on my initial Heisman ballot, when I was going through it, I like had a ballot that had him third. And I was like, I can justify this. Michigan plays football a certain way. He plays at an extremely high level. He's as good as any center that I feel like, and as impactful, as impactful for a high-level team as any center I can remember in recent memory. So I I was going to take a tackle, and I'm just a little unsure which tackle I should take. There are a couple other good centers here that I think maybe you could make a case for instead of him, but I'll, I just liked him all year. So I'll take Ola Timmy with pick eight here. No, I think that there were two. Uh, by the way, the the player that you're mentioning, I assume, is Landon Dickerson, who I honestly forgot missed the playoffs. So actually, that helps make my pick a little easier. But but there were two others other than Landon Dickerson who I felt like are just incredible, incredible game changing type centers, and and uh, Oluwatimi is one of them. Absolutely, I I kind of felt like you were going to take him, so I'm happy to get the other one. And again, I don't have to pick him until the very end of the draft because you can't pick another center. So, so I, I know, but I think that Olubatimi makes a lot of sense. I mean, Michigan uh, is an offensive line school. That is what they're known for. I, I think that you look at uh, potentially the most important players on their team. It is their offensive linemen. And the fact that Michigan lost players and brought in Oluwatimi and were just as good, if not better, on the offensive line in 2022, I think is a testament to to what this program is doing. So I, I like the pick a lot. And uh, and yeah, I, I think that it's a, a right pick at that spot. Okay. You are up with pick uh, number nine overall. So let's see. What direction do we go now? I agree. I, I I like the list of tackles, but I don't know if there's an obvious tackle. I'm trying to figure out if I want to lean on the the sort of dearth of experience at, at guard because I don't think that there's a ton of awesome players. I, I think I am going to go with a guard. And I think I'm going to go with Steve Avila from TCU. Uh, that was the guy. I should have done it. <laughs> I would have taken him next. I should have taken him now instead of all with Timmy. That's my stick it to Shahan pick to take the TCU guy who legitimately, legitimately might be the best guard in the history of the nine-year college football playoff for real. No, he was a game changer. And the thing that I liked about Avila, so he got moved around a lot during his career. Uh, He played center quite a bit. And TCU brought in SMU's center as a transfer, obviously, uh, from Sonny Dyke's previous stop. And it allowed Steve Avila to move over to guard where he just excelled. You know, he, he, they tried him at, at tackle a couple of times. They tried him at center a couple of times. And, you know, he has talent so that, you know, he was able to do some stuff, but he just settled in that guard. He is somebody who pulled at a really high level. He's very athletic for his size. Uh, I think that he was such a key for the way that they ran the ball all season long with both the quarterback and running backs. And and yeah, I mean, I think that you look at, again, the history of the college football playoff. There aren't very many guards who I feel like were true difference makers on their team. There were some really nice guards who protected at a high level. But I think that Steve Avila was one of the few players who you can point to and say, man, when TCU did X, it was because of Steve Avila. And we're going to have this weird revisionist history of this TCU season because of what happened to them in the national title game. But I need people to understand that they also dropped whatever, 55 points on Michigan. And they also 
won the Big 12 and went 12-0 and and were the first team in the round-robin era to ever go undefeated uh, before heading into the conference championship game. Like, this was a really good TCU team, and Steve Avila was one of the best players that Gary Patterson left behind. You're getting the Big 12 vote now when we put people <laughs> up. Hey, vote. Vote for this. I have to consider this as I vote. I mean, as I pick my team, how do I get that Big 12 vote back? Okay, I'm... I'm still not 100% sure about this, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to take Cam Robinson from Alabama at tackle, who, as a junior in 2016, when Bama made the playoff, was a unanimous All-American at left tackle. He was All-SEC in 2015 when Alabama uh, won the national title. He was a second round NFL draft pick. I just think that you're a unanimous All-American for and a starter for a team that made the playoff back-to-back years. That's pretty good to me. And he was, this was a time when Bama's pounding the ball in the run game, right? And this is like who they are, what they do. And so he's a, he's a primary part of this. You know, it's, I don't, you can't just plug in some other dude and think you were going to be as good. So Cam Robinson from Alabama will be my uh, pick here in the fifth round. It feels like Alabama just ends up in this situation where they just keep funneling these guys through and they almost become nameless in a way, you know, like it's like, it's just like, oh yeah, the next great Bama left tackle. Yeah, the next great Bama left tackle. Yeah, the next great Bama left tackle, which by the way is also why in 2022, the fact that they didn't really have that was odd just just odd but uh but no i mean i think that cam robinson stands above as as one of the better ones that they had absolutely um you know just a a giant of a person and uh and obviously i think keyed a lot of those great bama offenses uh kind of helped bridge the transition between uh them moving from being a ground and pound type team to one that really passed the ball at a high level. And I think that having a player like Cam Robinson was a huge part of the reason why they felt comfortable doing that because they knew that they could protect their quarterback's blind side. So I think Cam Robinson is a good pick. Again, I, I think that there are other ones that you could pick too, but I think that Cam Robinson is a very deserving first tackle off the board. I'm not a thousand percent sure that it's even the right Bama tackle to take, but I'm I'm good enough with it. So, okay, next pick to you. So I'm debating now. I I feel like, so you obviously locked me out of quarterback uh, of the top two quarterbacks with Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson. I am heavily debating locking you out at tight end. Oh, wow. There are two incredible tight ends. In the college football playoff era, I, I got the best one, I think, in Brock Bowers, and I'm going to do it. But but the the flip side of that is that if I take a second tight end, then I lose a receiver, and I do think that there's such talent at receiver, you know, that's kind of the trade off. But I, I I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. I'm, I'm going to take Mark Andrews at uh, at my wow. flex spots. That is bold. I mean, that's he's the other guy. There's there's not even a debate about it that there's i i think i know who i'm gonna take now as the third tight end but as much as i agreed with with your philosophy behind the bowers pick 
man, Mark Andrews was important to Oklahoma's success, to Baker Mayfield's success, to what they did as a playoff team. And so I didn't feel that bad about not getting Bowers because I thought I was going to get Andrews. And now you just stuck it to me. So congrats on that. <laughs> now, see, now, now I can uh, now I can just use one of my quarterback spots on Stetson Bennett and you can just throw it to tight ends all day. <laughs> <laughs> That w- we gotta get we gotta get Stetson Bennett on the show. That would be such a classic. <laughs> we have to, um, yeah. Nick Todd Monken. We'll pick offensive coordinators. You can pick Todd Monken as your uh, as your offensive coordinator. There you go. That's a that's a bold move by you. As you said, you're now locked out of receiver, so I can chill a little bit on receiver. And I'm going to have I think two guys for three guys for two spots that I'm going to have to decide on here. I'm burned up a little bit about this, but I do think I'm going to respond by taking my other tackle and I'm okay. I'm not going to get wound up. If you played left tackle, I'll move you to the right side. If you play like I'm just taking two tackles. So I don't know if that, you know, you'll play whatever you're going to play, but I'll take Evan Neal from Alabama, who was a consensus first team all American uh, in, in 2021 Um, did move around different spots. He, he played left tackle and right tackle and left guard at Alabama in his three years as a starter there. So he really can move anywhere. So, but this is a guy, again, he's a consensus first team all American um, in 2021 when Alabama is making the national championship game. And the year before when uh, they were in the playoff, he was were the national champs. He was a starter on that offensive line as well. So this is like a nice, this is a real full resume of a versatile dude. Who's a really good tackle and he's the guy I referenced when I said, am I sure I took the right Alabama tackle? Now I feel better because I got them both. Sure. No, I mean, and I think that you look at Evan Neal as an athlete, right? I mean, he's he's the guy who did what, like that huge box jump and and just made everybody gasp. And uh, so, I mean, he is a great athlete, obviously was a, a huge part of Alabama's success in 2021. And I think that they're relative lack of success in 2022 is also due to the fact that Evan Neal wasn't in the picture, that they had to play some guys at tackle who I don't think were all that good. So I, I like the pick. I will say, I will say, wasn't going to probably be my pick at tackle. I, I think that uh, he's he was on the short list for sure. He's on my board. I, I was probably going to go another direction. But also, like again, I, I don't think that there's an obvious tackle, right? I don't think that there's like a, there, there's a lot of really good tackles. I don't think that there's uh, an Oluwatimi. I don't think that there's uh, even a Navila. Like I, I think that there's enough depth there that I felt comfortable waiting. And, uh, and now in fact, uh, the funny thing about this is the only position that both of us are drafting for now is guard. Yeah. It's on. <laughs> it's on. So now are you going to stick it to me at guard and take another guard? I, I I am I'm also going to stick it to at guard by taking a player that you covered, and that's going to be Wyatt Davis. Okay. So he was on my list. He was on my list. He was on my list. Yeah. So obviously, uh, again, guard toughest position for me. Um, Steve Avila, I think, was a very obvious pick. You know, the thing that you have to say about Wyatt Davis and, uh, you know, there there were so many good players, obviously, on those 2019 and 2020 Ohio State teams. But two time, you know, consensus All-American in 2019, unanimous in 2020, uh, offensive lineman of the year in the Big Ten in 2020. Just, you know, a really, really nice player. Um, 
you know, was he an obvious superstar on the team? You know, I mean, I, I think that it's hard for a guard to kind of be that guy. But I, I think he was a really, really solid player. I think that he matches up really well with Steve Avila on the other side of this offensive line and with the center who I'm going to take as well. So I feel pretty good about where I'm at. And uh, and I think that um, I think that Avila and Davis, to me, are probably the two best guards of the playoff era. So I think it, it is a little odd. As you said, it, we're not doing NFL thing. He has not had a good NFL career, and I was very surprised by that. I thought Wyatt Davis was going to go be a starter in the NFL for a long time, but he was a really high-level guard. There's like great recruiting stories. He's a California kid who kind of just came to Ohio State and fell in love and and became a really important part when you think about sort of that era of Ohio State football and you think about players like Chase Young and Jeff Okuda and guys like that, like Wyatt Davis slides right in there on the offensive side of the ball. It's like a really high-level recruit that didn't have a great connection to Ohio State, and they recruited him, and they got him, and became an All-American. So Wyatt Davis is a really good pick there, and now we're done going head-to-head. And so now we can just <laughs> kind of pick, make our picks based on like value, the players that we value the most with this discussion. And so I'm going to go back to a big-time guy that, again, I don't his playoff was not as good as Ezekiel Elliott's. Like, that's not in dispute. But he did win the Heisman. So I'm going to add another Heisman winner, and I'm going to take Derrick Henry from Alabama. And to me, at the, the only other running back in this conversa- conversation is Travis Etienne from Clemson. I think Elliott, Henry, and Etienne are the, are the most impactful Running backs like Blake Corum didn't get to play in the playoff. So, you know, Blake Corum was an All-American, had a great year. Are you going to pick him here in something like this when, you know, Najee Harris was really good? And there's some other guys that were great, but I just think those three are a cut above, especially when you think like the last two years, Georgia, like they they use multiple guys and there's not a workhorse like that. So Derrick Henry did have uh, 36 carries for 158 in the national title game against Clemson, three touchdowns in that game. 20 carries for 75 and two touchdowns in the semifinal. And again, for that entire season, 395 carries, 2,219 yards, 28 touchdowns. People don't need to know how good Derrick Henry is. He's really good. Do you think Henry's the second running back in a draft like this, or would you have thought hard about ETN or someone else? I, I definitely think uh, Henry's number two. He was number two on my list, uh, you know, and then yeah, then again, it gets kind of into the amorphous. I, I think that Najee Harris would have also been uh, in that group. Obviously, I think Travis Etienne was probably better in the playoff era, per se. Uh, you know, you had multiple years of him in the playoff. You had multiple years of him doing his thing. Obviously, he was a four-year player at Clemson as well, uh, when he really didn't have to be. Uh, but no, I think Elliott and Henry are, are the obvious one and two here. I I debated hard about going Henry one and Elliot two, but you know, again, I think that the playoff performance kind of pushed me up the list a little bit there, but, uh, but no, I think that Henry is at least as good of a pick as Ezekiel Elliott there. All right. We're in the eighth round. It's to you. Where are you going? I'm going to, I'm going to take the easiest pick left on my board. I'm going to take my center and I'm going to go with Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. Uh, just a really, really good multi-year starter for them. Somebody who, uh, I think that also once he left, you kind of saw Oklahoma's offensive line fall apart a little bit, uh, for, for a couple of years there. But, you know, all American type player, multiple time, all big 12, multiple time lineman of the year in the big 12. Um, I actually think that's, he didn't get enough respect nationally in college football in some ways. 
you know, obviously he was an All-American, but he was only a third team All-American. I, I think that personally, I felt like he was a better player than that. So I thought that he was at, in his day, perhaps, you know, the best center in the country when things were rolling. And I think that people don't understand how critical center is to the scheme that Lincoln Riley plays. You know, they pull guys a lot. Those guys are on the move all the time. You got to communicate at a really, really, really high level. And so for me, I, I thought that it was, uh, you know, I thought that he was very deserving as being one of the best of the playoff era. And, and so for me, he was absolutely my pick. I thought Ryan Kelly from Alabama was another guy in the mix here. I thought Jack Allen from Michigan State was another guy in the mix here. Like, again, if you want to go off the board a little bit and, like, take somebody from a school that's probably not going to get represented otherwise, I think that's where you could have gone there. But I think Humphrey's a really good pick. And uh, you now have your interior offensive line all figured out. Um, I am going to go – man, I'm a little – I'm a little in between because there's a couple receivers – who only played like one playoff game, like they didn't make the national championship game, but they were like extraordinary individual talents in the midst of all of it. And I don't think you can argue much against that skill. But then when you're making a playoff argument, like, is it a little bit different? But I'll I'll let recency bias go into this. And I'll also allow the fact of, what happened when he left the game factor into this. And I'll take Marvin Harrison Jr. at receiver for Ohio State. And I think there's, I think, again, we talked about there's kind of a, a drop-off maybe from the top, top, top receivers. And so I think that would be the case here. He still has a chance to build his playoff resume. But I think when you saw how important he was to Ohio State, how much trouble Georgia had with him, especially in the first half of this semifinal, he gets knocked out of the game. It clearly has an effect on Ohio State's offense, and the guy's like a unanimous All-American. So, And I think you can just see it. So this might be based more just on he's good, right? Because the playoff resume isn't even a full game, but he obviously was very impactful for a team that did make the playoffs. So like, was Marvin Harrison Jr. on your receiver radar? I'd say he was on my radar. He wasn't on my list. I, I have a list of six that I considered. And I, I guess at the same time, like, I don't know. I, I'm not drafting receivers anymore, so I can kind of uh, speak to that. You know, I feel like I feel like there are obvious. Uh, so, so we went with Smith, Chase, Jefferson to kind of start things out. I think that's the clear top three. I I personally think that Jerry Judy is in like really close to that group. Like, I, I'm not saying that he's that group, but he is really, really, really close to that group. I think that he has more of a track record at this point than Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, certainly you could go with him with your next pick. Um, You know, I, I think C.D. Lamb was up there for me as well, but I, I would probably consider taking Harrison over Lamb. But for me, Judy, I think, was on another level than what I feel like uh, what I feel like Harrison is right now, just because you have a more limited sample size. Those were my six when I listed the six receivers that I thought were going to be drafted. We're only going to draft five now because you took an extra tight end. But Judy and Lamb are the other two guys. And Lamb is the guy to me who was like Harrison. That, listen, you are a primary part of a high-flying offense, but your team lost in the semifinal. You put up great stats, but you only played that. Like, how do you compare that versus Judy, who's part of a more holistic offense? He's one of many guys there is greater playoff experience and success. So I'm going to wind up deciding between Judy and Lamb with my 
final pick at receiver. But I do think in terms of just where they are in raw and listen, Judy and Lamb were for both high first round picks. I just think like Marvin Harrison Jr. in a year might be like the third pick in the draft. I don't know. Like think when we think about like raw, raw, raw talent and impact and just what you are as a player, I just think it's possible that Harrison is is a slight step above both Lamb and Judy for that from that perspective and a little recency bias. And I saw it with my own eyeballs all year. So that's why I went with Marvin Harrison Jr. there. But I, I completely agree with what you said about Lamb and Judy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to – so I, I have uh, two position groups I haven't drafted single players yet, uh, quarterbacks and tackles. I'm going to go with my tackles first, and then we can close out on quarterbacks. Uh, my first tackle – so again, lots of Alabama tackles to choose from, I think. And you pick two of them in Cam Robinson and Evan Neal – I'm going to pick another one. I'm going to go with Alex Leatherwood. Uh, somebody who, you know, again, has not had a good NFL career at all, although please Chicago Bears save him. But a really, really good player, a really solid player, somebody who started for multiple years for Alabama. Um, I believe he played a little bit of guard, too, at first so that they could get him on the field and then eventually moved over and uh, and was the starting left tackle as well. Um, somebody who they they really, I think, built trust in uh, was, was a multi-year contributor, which is something that means a lot to me as well. And, um, you know, you're talking about somebody who won the Outland Trophy in 2020. You're talking about somebody who was the unanimous All-American in, in 2020. Somebody who was a two-time first-time all, uh, two-time first-team All-SEC player. So, you know, the Outland Trophies, I think, were pretty impactful to me when I was also looking at the situation. There's been a handful of Outland Trophy, uh, recipients to play in the college football playoff. And, and by the way, uh, Cam Robinson was also one of them, but uh, but I think that Alex Leatherwood really kind of stood above as as somebody who I think was a complete difference maker on that 2020 team. And by the way, somebody who also uh, at the time pushed Evan Neal to right tackle because he was such a difference maker at left tackle. No, I like it. He was definitely uh, on my board at tackle. I wound up writing down one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven names at tackle, which again is just representative of there's just some really good tackles that have played in the playoffs. And again, there's one more Bama guy in particular that I wonder if that's where you're going to go, but there's other guys. It's like Orlando Brown at Oklahoma. There's the two Ohio state tackles from this past semifinal, Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. Paris Johnson is going to be a first round pick from the very first playoff. um, Like Cam Irving from Florida state was a pretty good player. So, I mean, there's just, Liam Eikenberg from Notre Dame was somebody that was on my radar again, if you're trying to maybe pick somebody from a different kind of team. But I think Leatherwood's a good pick here. I'm going to pick somebody from a different kind of team. And this is, I don't know who's going to vote for me because of this. But I'm going to take Trey Jackson from Florida State, who was a unanimous All-American in 2014 at guard when Florida State made the playoff in 2014. and was also like a really good player on their national championship team, a first-team All-ACC pick. In 2013, which doesn't count for this draft because that's pre-playoff. But as it says on his Florida State player profile, arguably the nation's best guard in 2014 as he earned unanimous All-American honors. So this is a guy who did it for multiple years. And, you know, I think of of the most forgotten, I think Washington and Michigan State are probably the most forgotten playoff teams because they got there, they got blown out. And that was kind of it. You know, Florida State is the defending national champ undefeated 
in the first year of the playoff, and then they, they're only the three seed, and then they kind of don't really hang very well with, with Oregon in that Rose Bowl. And so we know it's Jameis Winston, but like I think you can – they're not forgotten, but they're not – they're sort of a, an afterthought in the playoff era. So I kind of like representing Florida State in this discussion at least to some degree, and I'm doing it with a guy uh, who was an All-American and a, and a multi-year really good player there. So I'll take Trey Jackson at guard. No, he was he was to me the obvious uh, third guy on my list. Um, I think that there's a gap between Trey Jackson and whoever you go with fourth. Uh, if he had played both years in the playoff era, I think that he'd make an even more compelling case because he was a starter on a 2013 national champion. But obviously only plays in one playoff, only plays in one playoff game because of it. I think that that hurts him just a little bit. But no, I think I think the obvious right pick there. Uh, the, again, like I said, there are only a handful of guards that are actually difference makers in any way. I think Trey Jackson's one of them. I took two of the others who I felt like were. Honestly, I'm very curious where you go with your fourth pick because I think that we are we are <clears throat> scraping the bottom of the barrel. I think at this point in some ways um, to try to find another guard. But uh, I think I was right pick. I'll go back to my tackle. I am going to go with Orlando Brown from Oklahoma. I, yeah, so he was somebody who, again, multi-year starter, difference maker, unanimous All-American, whole nine yards. And uh, the funny thing was, obviously, after that run, he ended up testing very poorly at the NFL Draft Combine. And again, people kind of decided that that meant he wasn't good. And gone to the NFL, had a tremendous career, was a starter on the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line this past week as they won the Super Bowl. Just a really, really good player, a, a physical player, somebody who has a mean streak in him. And uh, and also, by the way, for people who don't know, also very fashionable for somebody who is humongous. Uh, so, no, I, I think he's a great player and I think he's my next pick at offensive tackle. So there is one other guy that I thought deserved serious consideration at tackle um, based on both his sort of individual resume and what he helped his team do. And that was Mitch Hyatt from Clemson, who won two national championships, started for both. He's like a little bit of a bridge, right? He's like, he started, he was a starting tackle for both Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence when they won national championships. He's a unanimous All-American, uh, the Trevor Lawrence year. And he, I think if I, I, I think I would have taken him. I, th- I had him ahead of Leatherwood, but I think being a bridge, like a, like a playoff bridge like that, I think is interesting because when you think about the Clemson championships, 16 is clearly the end of something and 18 is the start of something new, right? And this is a guy who started for both. I find that intriguing in a playoff discussion like this. Was he under radar at all? He was, he was. I think that that would have been a very solid pick. Absolutely. I I think that, uh, like you said, when you're talking about players of the playoff era too, right? I mean, I would even point to if we did a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen, He's somebody who I think would make an even more compelling case because of what he was and what he did for a team in the playoff, in the playoff era. Uh, obviously, when you look at most of our tackles, especially, we're talking about guys who are more one-year guys. We're talking about guys who, uh, who you know, Evan Neal, I think, played right tackle for the 2020 squad, but he was not 
the star of it. Uh, I, you know, but like the rest of the, the group, you know, and Alex Leatherwood, 2020 was kind of just his lone year. Orlando Brown, right? 2017, you're talking about as his sort of key individual year. I think that longevity does matter and, um, and being able to do it across two eras in Clemson football, I think uh, makes a lot of sense. And by the way, too, you know, look, this is obviously a very heavy Alabama list just in general with, uh, with our entire draft. I, I think that it is. There's not a player that I would have just taken instead, but the fact that we have so few Clemson players on here, I think, you know, I think that there probably should be more. And Mitch Hyatt, I think, is is somebody who makes a compelling case. All right, so I'm going to take my last guard spot, and this is another guy who bridges some stuff and actually sort of he played his best football for a team that didn't make the playoff, but he was really good along the way. He's a four-year starter. I'm going to take Billy Price of Ohio State who started at guard as a redshirt freshman on the 2014 Ohio State National Championship team, started as a fourth-year junior at guard on the 2016 team, and then moved to center in 2017 when Ohio State didn't make the playoff and won the Remington Award as the best center. But I think he's a better guard than he was a center. So he's a, he's a very good player who started for two playoff teams. And so if we're kind of down to this discussion at guard and you're saying, I don't know who you're going to take – I'm going to wind up taking a guy who I covered, who I, I know was a was a very good player, uh, was, um, like I said, like a, a unanimous All-American in 17, but as a playoff guy, was a second-team All-American in 2016, was um, an All-Big Ten player in 2016 when they made the playoff. And I just, again, to start as a redshirt freshman on the national championship team in 2014, kind of a big deal. So... Maybe somebody would say, oh, I can't believe you didn't take this guy. But when I made my list of guards, the the first three were the three that have been taken. And then I had Billy Price in there. So I'll take him. No, I mean, I think, again, you, you're kind of just making decisions at that point. And uh, and yeah, I mean, he won the Remington Trophy, right? Like he won the, the award for for being a great interior lineman. The the fourth guy who I had on my list was a little bit of cheating, which was Jarrett Patterson uh, from Notre Dame, who moved over to guard this year, even though he mostly played center. But a really good player for them. And, uh, you know, but again, I think for that fourth guard spot, you're kind of just picking a guy. You're kind of just picking a, a player who you think is good. So I, I have no issues with Billy Price being that pick there. So now we're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up. And this is the drama of Shahan saving his two quarterback picks for the end. I took my first two, my two quarterbacks with my first two picks. You're going to take your two quarterbacks with your last two picks. I have to take a wide receiver and a tight end. And I am really curious where you wind up going. I know who I would take as the two quarterbacks that are left. I'm curious if you do the same. We'll find out next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, next QB is up for you. Are you certain about these two quarterback picks, or are you caught in between a little bit? I'd I'd say I'm caught in between. I think that I have two that I feel pretty good about, but... I mean, there are multiple Heisman winners left on this list, right? I mean, there there are multiple directions you could go with this. Um, And and I think that the other part that you kind of have to balance is, again, having success 
in the playoff era uh, versus players who were just really good and maybe didn't play their best football in the, in the playoff. It's it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, you know, somebody who I'm not going to pick. I, I guess I can talk about this pretty openly because, again, you're, you're not picking quarterbacks. Like, Jameis Winston played in the playoff. He played in 2014. He won the Heisman Trophy. Not even somebody I'm considering right now. That's that's how good I think this list has the chance to be. Um, so, so to go through, again, uh, there are... So Jameis, Mariota, uh, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Bryce Young. So we got six quarterbacks who have won Heisman trophies that played in the college football playoff. And I am going to pick from that list. And my first pick is probably the one that I feel most confident about. Somebody who I feel like is an all-time great college football player. Somebody who I think that, uh, you know, has a legacy at his school. I think transformed his program in a lot of ways. I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield with my first pick. I think he's the third quarterback. That's where I would have gone. If, If you had taken Burrow or Watson from me, I would have taken Mayfield. I think he is, again... They they should have made a national championship game. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Blew that that game and that semifinal against Georgia. So the fact that he didn't play in a national title game is maybe something that, that in a discussion like this you could take into consideration. But he was in the playoff multiple years. He did win a Heisman. He did put up huge wins and huge numbers in college. So I, I think it's pretty clear he's the guy here. That that was the easier one for me. You know, it's funny. Again, you're in this situation with Baker Mayfield where people rewrite his career because they didn't win that game against Georgia and also obviously because of what happened in the NFL. But he was an incredible college football player, man. And like, you know, I, I covered him. Uh, I covered one of his first games when he was at Texas Tech. And, you know, you, you saw the vision a little bit. You know, you kind of saw like, oh, this guy is really shifty. This guy has, you know, it, the arm strength is probably the one question that you have. But he just has great football instincts. He comes out in 2015 at Oklahoma, is really, really good. I believe is a Heisman finalist that year. 2016, just a little bit better. 2017, obviously, just hits a supernova level. A very, very, very deserving Heisman winner and and yeah I mean I I think somebody who you know it's almost like if he completely flamed out of the NFL after like two years then we'd appreciate him more as as like a Tim Tebow type college football player because I really think that he was like that he he was a a force of nature the biggest story in college football for multiple years and uh you know again somebody who I think uh, it makes a lot of sense on a list like this I'm gonna take my tight end first because I'm I'm pretty sure who I'm going to take and I'm still caught in between a little bit on the receivers. I'll take OJ Howard from Alabama who who I do think do you think he's the third guy? Again, there's Bowers and Andrews are clear the top top two. Maybe you didn't even think about a third tight end cuz you knew you were going to do this to me. <laughs> yeah, I I so OJ Howard, let's let's first say this. OJ Howard had the best playoff of any tight end. OJ Howard's playoff was insane. He also wasn't that good outside of that of the playoff <laughs> run. Right? Like he was he was okay. He was a fine player. He was somebody who contributed for Alabama, but like I, I feel like OJ Howard's whole college career was, oh, I wonder when he's gonna like do the thing. I wonder when he's gonna be a difference maker. I wonder when it's gonna, you know, and, and it just never happened. And, you know, I I mean he had over 500 yards, uh, right about 600 yards in both his junior and senior season. So, like, he's a good player. I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss him as being a good player, but he just, 
he wasn't that special to me. Now, the thing is, I think you're right. There's not an obvious tight end after those first two, which is why I took them. Uh, but like, I think that this is probably the best available pick. I'm, I'm honestly trying to think. Cause yeah, I did. I made a list of three cause that's the most I would have probably hypothetically have had to go. And those were my three, but you could, I think you could make a case for like a Darnell Washington from a talent perspective. Uh, obviously, obviously he's secondary to Brock Bowers. Again, if, if Utah had made the playoff, I would have had a field day with Brent Keithy and, and Dalton Kincaid, but that didn't happen. Uh, Nico Leary was the tight end at Florida State who won the Mackey Award back in 2014. He was a good player, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think that there's such a gap. Nico Leary was the other. He was the other choice to me because Nico Leary was an All-American and he's also, I mean, again, I'm based in Ohio. He's Jack Nicholas's grandson. So um, is he if, really? I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, no, he's Jack Nicholas's <laughs> grandson. So if I wanted to go with the Ohio connection, I've heard Jack Nicholas talk about um, <laughs> his grandson, Nick O'Leary. Then I can't believe you didn't go with him. Yeah, I come know, on. Get the, get the Nicholas <laughs> you family got the scouting vote. reports. <laughs> I know. So I, I, I might have blown it there. Okay, so this, I think, comes down to maybe the most interesting pick of the entire draft. It's your final pick, and it's your final quarterback. And I know who I would take. I bet it's who you take. But I'm not 100% sure. Who is it? Who are you doing? Okay, I, I do know who I'm going to take. I'm curious, though. Who do you think I'm going to take? Bryce Young. Mm, interesting. I'm actually not. Okay. He is so good. I mean, and like, honestly, we're thinking <laughs> about this from, we're thinking about this from a, a playground perspective, right? So maybe I should consider him more. We both love Bryce Young. That's why, I mean, like he, he, like what he did to get Bama there. And obviously it hurts him that Bama did not make it this year, right? It's a one year playoff resume that doesn't include a championship. So that's, that's a little rough, but it is a Heisman and he did make the national title game. And even though it's Bama, as we, if you and I have had this discussion many times before, I feel like I'm trying to talk you into Bryce Young because we love him so much. (laughs) He carried Bama. We both did. did. If we're talking about guys who carried teams, Bryce Young carried Alabama two seasons ago to where they got to, which was a national title game. And if his receivers don't all get hurt, who knows what happens? I mean, I I think I do know what happens. I think that Alabama wins the national championship in 2021, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, no, it's it. I think that he would be a really good pick. I think he'd be a really, really good pick if I were to make it, but... I am going to go in another direction and I'm going to go back to the beginning of the playoff and I'm going to go with a quarterback who I think was transformative for his program, uh, both short and long term. Somebody who, by the way, when he left, the entire program fell apart. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I feel like I give credit to that sort of thing, right? It's like the Cam Newton thing. They went eight and five the year before. They went eight and five the year after, and they won the national title in between. Well, I think that there's like a similar effect with this guy who, again, is somebody who I think has gotten forgotten because his NFL career was only okay. And that's Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota was an incredible college football player. Just an unbelievable college football player. The, the way that I describe it, are, are you a tennis fan? I am. So, like, the way that Marcus Mariota plays, he's Roger Federer. He, he is just somebody who was in such 
control at all times. You know, the ball went exactly where he wanted to go. Nobody could ever hurry him. He just played so smooth. It, It looked like he was playing another sport than everybody else on the field. And the other thing, too, that you have to say about Marcus Mariota is he was good for many years. He started three years for Oregon, threw for over 10,000 yards. This is the funniest part to me. His career touchdown to interception ratio 105 to 14 that is inhuman that is that is not real that is, that is insane and by the way also a rusher at the college level uh more than 2200 yards rushing 29 touchdowns including 15 during his Heisman season so so 57 total touchdowns as a junior completely carried uh Oregon to to uh the college football playoff to the national championship game and they just ran into a really good team obviously in, in 2014 Ohio State I mean I I feel like this is half a I think that Marcus Mariota is the right pick and this is also half of a we need to put some respect to Marcus Mariota's name. Like he is an incredible college football player uh, who, who I think elevated Oregon further than they've really ever been. And also, by the way, his his head coach was so well regarded that that he's now working as an analyst. Like that's that's what mm. we're talking about yeah. here, right? Like like he kind of like Joe burrowed it and like carried an Ed Orgeron around for the ride. So uh, and also I guess I guess uh, I think that same year, right? Scott Frost was his offensive coordinator, so he did not have much of a brain trust around him <laughs> to to be as brilliant as he was. So uh, so shout out to Marcus Mariota. I think one of the uh, the more underrated Heisman winners that we've had in recent years. I think it's a good pick. You know, again, I would have gone Bryce. I think Trevor Lawrence is a very reasonable pick there, but, you know, wins the national championship as a freshman, makes the national title game as a sophomore, makes the playoff again as a junior, doesn't get a Heisman, but three years in the playoff is a big deal. You know, yeah, Justin Fields was somebody that I think I considered. I mean, he was unbelievable. Didn't ever win the Heisman, but I mean, was as close as you could basically get to winning Heismans. I, I mean, look, this is a schoolyard football game. This is not the Mount Rushmore. If this was a Mount Rushmore, I mean, you know, I hate to say it, but Stetson Bennett has to be on the list. <laughs> but, you know, after winning two national championships and playing his best football in the college football playoff as well. So, no, I mean, there's a lot of great quarterbacks, of course. Kyler Murray, somebody who won the Heisman Trophy, who we haven't even mentioned. Jalen Hurts obviously didn't have a good playoff, but was very, very good across multiple uh, college football playoffs, across multiple programs as well. Uh, the, the real shame is that we couldn't find a way to sneak Lamar Jackson into the college football playoffs so that we could pick him because uh, <laughs> we could have had like pick one guy who didn't make the playoff. You get like one right. bonus pick for a non-playoff guy. Uh, I am going to finish this off with my receiver. And it turns out that this is not a hard choice for me because I double checked it. This guy played in the playoff all three years of his college career. And it's CD lamb at Oklahoma. And, and this is, I'm not going to pick Jerry Judy. It's who I was down to, but CD lamb three years at Oklahoma, 800 receiving yards, and then over a thousand, both his sophomore and junior years, 1327 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns as a junior and all three years in the playoff. So like, I, I like that's unbelievable. And by the way, all three years in the playoff with, with three different quarterbacks, Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what's the constant of Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts, right? It's CeeDee Lamb being a number one receiver who has now gone on and is a great NFL player. So, I feel good about taking CeeDee Lamb there. And and that's – like Trevor Lawrence, it's a heck of a playoff resume when you can say 
you made the playoff every single year of your college career. Did I make the right choice there? No, I mean, I I, I would have probably uh, heading in lean Jerry Judy, but that is a compelling case, you know, that he was there for all three of those playoff runs, that he was there under all three quarterbacks, by the way. The second that he left, Oklahoma stopped making playoffs. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's just because of CeeDee Lamb, but it happened. They haven't, I, I, you know, the, the 2020, 2021 season, they didn't have a thousand yard receiver. Uh, Marvin Mims just got there this year at 1,083. So like, you know, we, we kind of, I think, think of this Oklahoma offense as a self-sustaining machine. And it is, you know, Lincoln Riley's offenses are really good, but. I think that we do see how much more dynamic it is when you do have a receiver like that. And by the way, the other thing too is, uh, CD Lamb as a, as a junior had 1300 receiving yards. That was on a Jalen Hurts team that was very run based too. So, I mean, he had more than a third of uh, Oklahoma's receiving yards that season. So, you know, 1300 sounds like a lot. I don't even think that it does it justice and by the way the other thing too was um if i remember right this is i mean again obviously time moves very quickly but uh but cd lamb also missed i want to say the first baylor game um which was the one that they went down 28 to 3 and had to scratch and claw to come back and then he came back and it was like oh this is a just just different this is not this is not the same oklahoma team without cd lamb as it is with cd lamb he was a dynamic playmaker for them he was the guy who stretched the field he was the guy who could take a screen and take it all the way to the house uh i mean he's a great great player so no i mean i I think that's totally fair honestly again i would have assumed that uh that jerry judy probably had a stronger playoff resume and he won a title but cd lamb i mean being there in all three playoffs and being a difference maker all three years that's pretty impressive and just a great group of receivers, right? Amari Cooper. We didn't take Amari yeah. Cooper. Yeah. Um, we didn't take Marquise Brown from Oklahoma. We didn't take Jamison Williams from Alabama. We didn't take Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. We didn't take Michael Thomas from Ohio State, right? There's there's a lot of great receivers. No surprise here. In the end, which team do you think had the most players picked in this draft of 24 players, Shahan? I mean, it has to be Alabama, right? Alabama six. Four teams, only four teams had multiple players picked. Do you want to guess the four squads that had multiple players? Alabama had six. Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Ohio State had four. Oklahoma had five. Oh, interesting. I mean, this is the offensive side of the ball. We have to remember, too. It is. Uh, Oh, and LSU. LSU must have been. And LSU had three. Clemson only had Deshaun Watson. We did Travis Etienne just missed. We did not take any Clemson receivers. You certainly could have thrown guys like Mike Williams or you know guys like that into this discussion. We didn't take any Clemson offensive linemen, although Hyatt, we said, was right there. We'll do this on the defensive side of the ball, and I think you're going to see some Clemson there. But as it turned out here, you will. you will. Bama six, Oklahoma five, Ohio State four, LSU three, and then one each for Clemson, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Florida State, and Oregon. And those are our 24 players that we picked. Again, to wrap up, my team, Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson at quarterback, Derrick Henry at running back, Jamar Chase, Marvin Harrison Jr., and CeeDee Lamb at receiver, OJ Howard at tight end, Cam Robinson and Evan Neal at tackle, Trey Jackson and Billy Price at guard, and Olu Oluwatimi at center. For Shahan, 
Baker Mayfield and Marcus Mariota at quarterback, Ezekiel Elliott at running back, Devontae Smith, Justin Jefferson at receiver, two tight ends, Brock Bowers and Mark Andrews, the two best tight ends in the playoff era, Orlando Brown and Alex Leatherwood at tackle, Steve Avila and Wyatt Davis at guard, and Creed Humphrey at center. Those are our teams. Shahan, was that productive? I think it, it tells us a little bit. I think your eyebrows perked up at Oklahoma had the second most players taken. But as you noted, it's offensive side of the ball. I don't know how many. We might not take any Oklahoma players on defense. So it'll be interesting in the end when we have the full collection here. George is going to be much more represented on defense. Clemson's going to be more represented on defense. Ohio State will get a bunch of guys in there, at least a couple maybe. Alabama will have a bunch of guys. But this is these are LSU and Oklahoma are two offense-heavy teams that have made marks in the playoff era, and it's reflected here. Absolutely. And uh, no, I, I think that it's very fitting and it'll be even more fitting when we do have the defense, like you mentioned, that uh, three of the four teams that have the most players represented on this list are the t- uh, the four teams that we started this podcast with, right? The the mainstays in Alabama, uh, Ohio State, Clemson and Oklahoma. And again, Clemson will have plenty, plenty of defensive linemen, plenty of cornerbacks. I'm not concerned about Clemson being represented. They just don't necessarily have those stars on the offensive side of the ball uh, in that same sort of way. Though, again, like you mentioned, if this was a if we had done a two running back draft or even if we had done maybe even a, a full flex draft where you have running back wide receiver tight end. I think Travis Etienne maybe ends up on one of those lists because he is an unbelievable player. But uh, no, I, I think it makes sense. I will say uh, with my two tight end look, I absolutely am hiring Todd Monken as my offensive coordinator. <laughs> I think that he he would scheme you to death. I, I don't think you'd have any answer for Mark Andrews and Brock Bowers. I, I'll also mention, I think that uh, that my team actually is a very cohesive unit because look, you got Devontae Smith in the slot. You got Justin Jefferson outside. You got Mark Andrews and Brock Bowers lined up attached to the offensive line I think that Alex Leatherwood I slide him over to right tackle Orlando Brown at left tackle Steve Avila at left guard White Davis at right guard Creed Humphrey at center I I think I have a very cohesive group they're they're fast they're athletic they're big they're physical I, I don't see how you keep up personally yeah, you can take your cohesion. I'm just going to have three monsters <laughs> in Jamar Chase, Marvin Harrison Jr., and C.D. Lamb run down the field and have Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson chuck it to them and every now and then hand off to Derrick Henry and you can take your cohesion and cram it. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, okay, we'll let you guys vote on this. You can follow us on Twitter at CFB Survivor Show if you missed our other and, show. And remember, week. when you're voting – Make sure and check out those guards. I think that that's really where the difference in these two teams is. My greatest regret is that I didn't steal Avila from you. That really was my plan from the jump, and I couldn't make it happen. But you can go to CFB Survivor Show on Twitter to follow us. We'll let you vote there. Don't miss our other free show this week. Again, we're now doing two free shows a week. It used to be one free show, one bonus paid episode. Our other free show this week, we were talking about the 16-team SEC that will begin in 2024, and which programs we think will be the healthiest then. We appreciate you guys making this College Football Survivor Show part of your week. We'll be back in the somewhat near future with a defensive draft along these lines, and we'll be back in the somewhat near future with a Big Ten look of what that might look like in 2024 as we prepare for this 12-team playoff world for now. For Shahanjay Haraja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.